Hey everyone, it's Peter. Happy October. Happy October 2020. Today is a special thank you to Ed Moore, podcast host extraordinaire, for all that he's done to help spread the word for the ongoing Operation Rebuild laptop fundraiser that is now up to 74%. Woohoo! Not only has Ed donated to the fundraiser, uh, purchased a chunk of comics from my ongoing comics inventory sale, Ed has been a complete superstar in spreading the word on Twitter to the point that I got a sale through uh, someone who saw uh, one of Ed's posts. So as a way to say thank you, I thought, why not open my feed to one of the many podcasts that Ed hosts in hopes of sharing listenership and getting some new ears onto his content. Uh, this is, you know, my small way of showing appreciation and and uh, a way to say thank you. So what follows is a rebroadcast of an episode from Ed's Ronin Rabbit Fan Podcast, a podcast all about Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo comics, specific, uh, specifically covering the first of seven issues from IDW uh, called Usagi Yojimbo Color Classics. Ed thought this would be a good jumping-on point for anyone who has yet to read Stan Sakai's uh, long-running character, and also a good jumping-on point for the podcast as well. And you can find Ronin Rabbit at bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. Ed's intro to this podcast will lead you to some Facebook pages and other links as well, and you can find uh, other podcasts done by done by ed at the comic book noise network so give it a listen and if you like what you hear please support ed as a thank you uh for all the all that he's done for the daily rios all right here you go enjoy The Ronin Rabbit. This is a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and beware there will be spoilers as we talk about Usagi Ojimbo Color Classic number one from IDW, cover dated January 2020. Now, for those of you that want to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal, T E A L Productions, on Twitter, of course. On Facebook, I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo page and the Usagi Ojimbo fan page. BigTimeNoise.com slash Ronin Rabbit is the website where I post the episodes, and Usagi Podcast at gmail.com is the website. Now, for this issue, our dramatis personae include but may not be limited to Miyamoto Usagi, Genosuke, Kenichi, Usagi's father, which I had forgotten appeared in the story, Katsuichi, and Lord Mafuni. Also, we see Gunichi in a limited role. Now, as, as kind of a perspective, well, okay, let me step back. Uh, for those of you that are brand new, these books that IDW is putting out labeled Color Class are the very first, they're starting at the beginning of Usagi's journey, which began in 1984 when they appeared in black and white. So a lot of stories, this one in particular off the top of my head, or these two, I, I don't 
recall precise, but most of these stories that will be appearing as color in these issues were not originally in color, I know for sure, nor have they since initial publication ever appeared in color. So many of these stories will be in color for the first time in this book. Now, these stories originally were published in Volume 1, Issue Number 1 of the uh, eponymously named Usagi Ujimbo book from Fantagraphic in July of 1987. Now, I state it that way because Usagi's first appearance was way back in November of 1984. And so from 84, uh, November of 84 to October of 86, he had had 15, roughly, appearances in magazines called Albedo, Critters, and then there was a Usagi Ujimbo color classic, or a uh, yeah, that, well, hang on, let me check. I'm sorry, it was titled Usagi Ujimbo Summer Special that Fantagraphics put out, um, reprinting some of Usagi's earliest, and then the next month, they published the first issue of the first volume of Usagi's own title book. So this book that we have in our hands now, Color Classic, are the first two stories as they appeared in Usagi's named title, but not necessarily the first two stories to appear, period. As I said, there were almost two years of appearance prior to this. Now, this is written and drawn and lettered by Stan Sakai, colored by Rhonda Pattis. We open up with Usagi and uh, an individual, another samurai, who we will see is named Gunichi here in a couple pages. And they're standing across from each other um, on a, a small plane. Nice background, nice layering of cloud mounts and we have a couple uh, lizards here in the front, Tokage, as we'll know that they're called, watching. Uh, one is, both of them are kind of peeking out of their den. Apparently the Tokage live in holes in the ground. Gunichi uh, flips off his hat, a, a, a nice kasa, the uh, peasant wide-brimmed hat that you see so frequently in uh, Edo period movies and, and television shows. He draws his sword first, Usagi draws his, and then they rush each other. See them rushing and then we have a panel where they pass side by side and then the next four panels to me are really they're smaller panels that span across the entire page and the first three they they show the two samurai as they have run and passed each other and they're separated by some distance looking away from each other as if you know they had just run past and they've just stopped and the first three panels uh we have gunichi and usagi we also have a little frog watching from one corner and a tokage watching from another lower so those three panels they're there's nothing. No movement by anyone. No wind, breeze, butterflies, leave, nothing. And then in the fourth panel, we see Gunichi fall to the ground so abruptly that it frightens the frog, which skits away in one direction off panel, and the Tokagi likewise in the other direction. Usagi in all four panels never moved. Next to Usagi um, has, I don't know, reached into his sleeve probably and retrieved a couple pieces of rice paper to wipe off his blade. Next panel we see the papers as they flutter to the ground. Suddenly Usagi turns and we have another, uh, or we have the first introduction of a, a long-term character in Usagi journey story. Uh, Genosuke, another Ronin, uh, a bounty hunter, as we'll find out. And he um, seemingly has been following Usagi, uh, tells Usagi kind of humorously, tongue-in-cheek, a good duel. Uh, I really liked watching that because um, it was kind of a done deal. Gen knows Usagi's prowess. Usagi, they have, even now, as we are introduced to Genosuke, they have traveled together, they've worked together, they know of 
but then personally no. Um, Usagi rolls down the sleeve on, on his uh, shirt that he's wearing. Gen goes over and checks. Gunichi sees that he is indeed dead. Asks Usagi why, you know, what was the, the manner of the duel. And Usagi tells him that uh, he betrayed my lord Mifune. Uh, it was years ago when I was still in a child in a village in the northern province. My father was the town magistrate. And then it, you know, you have kind of the bubbly uh, edges of the story as Usagi starts retelling. And then we switch to where it is what is occurring. And Usagi is sitting with his friend Kenichi as his father is talking about the uh, samurai. He mentions the samurai topknot, which uh, a little digging shows me that that is the konomage, which is a is an honorific. Uh, originally, the topknot I found out was used to hold the helmet in place so that it didn't come off in battle. But then I would imagine because the samurai did it, it came to be associated with samurai, um, and you could only do it, by my reading of this, you could only have the top knot if you were indeed a samurai. Um, today, we see the top knots being worn by um, sumo wrestlers. Japan, I think a lot of them, although theirs is a little different. It, a lot of times, it'll splay out like a fan on top of their head. But um, Usagi's father also is telling them about two swords that the samurai wears, the katana and the wakasashi, which together, I believe, are known as the daisho, if you ever see that word. Um, all of this, he is telling them, preparing them, because the next day, as they're sitting here talking, they'll be leaving to go to the Dogoro fencing school, where they will learn to be samurai, hopefully. Next day, Kenichi and Usagi are out wandering around. They playfully are wrestling and fighting. One grabs up a stick like a sword, and Usagi grabs a rock to defend himself because he got hit first. And then they hear and see a commotion where a group of students of the aforementioned Dogoro fencing school are talking rather down to an older gentleman, perhaps priestly gentleman, because he has a staff with a gourd uh, secured to the top, which in my mind, I associate more uh, spiritual, uh, perhaps monkish kind of characters of this period and this part of the world. So they're, they're talking back and forth. He, this older gentleman, this priest, uh, we'll, we'll call him, apparently insulted people at the Dogoro school and some of the students took umbrage with it. Umbrage? I, I'm not sure if I used that word correctly. Um, they did not appreciate it but that way. And so they're going back and forth. The priest continues to insult them, honestly, until such a point as the students actually draw their sword and rush this older gentleman in order to claim back their honor by killing, which also is a pretty standard function of at least the media as it applies to that time period. Um, I don't know if this was quite as sword slingery in real life as it has been portrayed because um, it seems, you know, in media, uh, the media that I have seen, that when someone felt insulted about the only way to even the insult was to fight and potentially kill the other person. I just, that, I mean, that just seems really, you know, hardcore to actually have been a true way of life. But I mean, I guess it could be. Look at our uh, Wild West where men walked around with weapons on their hip and at insults would draw and kill, go out and, you know, they would duel in the streets. Th th those are truthful. So I guess it's possible the same philosophy applied somewhere else, only prior to guns, they would have used whatever their weapons were in case they were swords. So perhaps it was as uh, sword slingery slash gun slingery in the Edo period in Japan um, as it is portrayed in temporary or um, non-contiguous, uh, I don't know if I use that word right either, but media not of the same time frame as what it's talking about later, later media. Contemporaneous, maybe that was the word, non-contemporaneous. Uh, anyways, these guys fight the old guy who has drawn his sword 
uh, presumably his katana, as he is wearing a pair. And he killed off four of them. The two boys, Usagi and uh, Kenichi, see it. The old man notices that they're watching and tells them, what are you boys doing here? You're too young to witness such violence. Go home. Well, Usagi is very much captivated by them. Kenichi, uh, not so much. He's not him. So now, instead of the next day going to the Dogoro school, Usagi runs after this older man, uh, yelling, sensei, sensei, teacher, asking this old man to be his. Well, he follows the old man home. The old man says no several times. But Usagi waits. Um, who knows how long? You know, maybe just a day, uh, maybe multiple days. It rains. He gets cold and shivery. He's sleepy. It shows him sleeping, standing on his feet. Then the old man pops up behind him and says, Are you still here, Weevil? And then he, he gets close to Usagi, and you can see him kind of giving him the once over. Says that as he turns and walks away, the old man says, Fetch me some firewood, Shugyosha. Shugyosha being a term for student warrior. So uh, that is the acknowledgement he has chosen to accept Usagi into his teaching. And Usagi reads that. That's the Samurai Part 1. Part 2 starts uh, six months later, and we see Usagi with a bundle of firewood on his back and carrying buckets that he has gone down to a uh, apparently rather difficult to get to stream to acquire fresh water. And he's telling us, or actually he's telling Kenichi, but he's telling us as well. Six months went by in my life and had settled into a monotonous routine. Daily, I gathered and chopped the firewood, kept the hut, tended the garden, and twice a day fetched water from a stream a mile down a treacherous mountain trail. Time passed slowly in the mountain, with Sensei hardly speaks watching with his cold, hard eye. Six months, and I had not even grasped the boken, is a wooden practice. Or hear my teacher's theories on swords. At first, I attributed such a delay as a test of my patience and tenacity. But after so long a time, I was more than a little heart. So we see Usagi walk down the path back to the place where he and staying the hut. And the teacher sneaks up on him and smacks him on top of the head with a bamboo stick. Then he just turns, tells Usagi, go fetch more water, potato bug. Because hitting him in the head, he both hurt and surprised him. Usagi dropped the water, so now he doesn't have any. He's got to go back and get some. As he's going down the trail, which here we see uh, in one of the panels, the trail doesn't look quite as treacherous as perhaps it was um, intended to make us think on the very first panel. of. I, I noticed that. As he's going down the trail, he's thinking to himself, he hit me for no reason. Could his mind have snapped? Maybe Kenichi was right. He is crazy, and I didn't realize it until now. Next several panels, Usagi's sleeping. The teacher wakes him up. Um, the teacher's name is Katsuichi. I don't think it's been given to us yet. Maybe it hasn't, I mean, but that, that's his. So he's uh, several panels. Next, Usagi is out gathering food, and he sees Katsuichi coming up, and he jumps and hides. Katsuichi passes by, kind of looks over his shoulder to where Usagi is, and mumbles fool. Usagi finally comes out of his hiding spot. He's right. I am a fool. I hide in these bushes like a frightened, or I hid in these bushes like a frightened cur. Why, he didn't even have his bamboo. A true samurai should know when when he's in danger and when he's not. Ah, so there we see what the meaning of Usagi constantly being uh, smacked around a little bit by his teacher is teach and what he's trying to teach. Usagi next tells us, as the months pass, I learned to move with caution. I never passed a tree or rounded a corner without thinking of the length of bamboo that may be waiting for me. In time, such caution became second nature to me. And we have a scene in the winter with uh, Katsuichi walking around with Usagi. And it, it's kind of cool. Usagi is wearing a, uh, like a kerchief tied around his head, but it's not tied over his, his ears. His ears are not pulled down to keep them 
warm. Uh, they're sticking up normally like a rabbit, but he still has this uh, kerchief wrapped around his head and, and tied under his chin. I thought that was kind of funny. We have a, a conversation here between Katsuichi and uh, Usagi. Katsuichi telling him what it what it means to be samurai, not just the martial aspect, but the uh, art aspect, the philosophical and inner learning that you must go through. And finally, um, the, the reasoning for all of this uh, conversation turns out to be that he is telling Usagi that when you go into a battle, try to use your inner weapon first before you must draw and use your outer weapon. Try to, you know, the, this is situations where you will, will see two men face each other and in the face-off, one nerve breaks and, and the, the duel is then off. Or you can use this and you can assess the other individual's true spirit and perhaps find out, determine that you don't need to fight after after all, after some, uh, you know, spiritual contemplation, you find that the the physical is not as necessary as you originally thought it was because you were hurt or angry or they were something of that. And I think we've all seen those um, non-physical duels displayed again in the media. Um, across different genres and, and different eras. As he's talking to Usagi, he finishes, and as he's walking away, he taps a, a branch on the pine tree that they're standing under and causes snow to cascade down on Usagi, yet showing that Usagi's not ready. He was caught unawares. Uh, we're told four months later, Usagi is making his trip. Uh, this time, he's just carrying water. He's not carrying a bundle of firewood on his back. Walking up, and he sees a tree, and he knows that his master, Katsuichi, is hiding behind the tree, and he speaks out. I know you're there. Come out. He throws a rock against the tree and waits and waits and waits. We're told 15 minutes later, nothing's happened, and he's like, okay, I guess my imagination was playing tricks on me. <laughs> I feel silly, and Sensei's probably waiting for his tea, so he picks up his water and trudges on. Just as he passes the tree, Katsuichi jumps out and smack! Hits him on the head with the stick. He says, fool, idiot, you stupid head lice. You knew I was waiting for you, and yet you walked on. You knew why I took you in as a student. I'll never know. Then six months later, Usagi is cutting up some firewood. Katsuichi attacks, but Usagi evades. Goes on the offense, uh, leaps up, does a front flip handspring, lands behind Katsuichi, still holding his axe. He holds the axe up over his head, parrying the blow that Katsuichi rained on his pupil trying to catch him unawares, but it does not. They stop, and Katsu says, Excellent, little weevil. You've learned well. Here, take the book. Now your training begins in earnest. And we have a uh, panel here that is about two-thirds of the page. Katsuichi standing in the middle of the panel, holding his staff. And around it, we see a montage of uh, grayed out, in essence, you know, very dimly illustrated for us different aspects of Usagi's training, both past and future. And Katsuichi tells us, um, actually tells Usagi, but hence us. As a samurai, you must strive for perfection in body and spirit. Duty and honor are the essence of Bushido, the way of the warrior, and should be preserved even at the cost of your own life. And that is part of the aspect of the honor uh, with which samurai are supposed to constantly live by. I was with the sensei for more than two years before I struck my first blow. So here we are on down the line. We see them dueling uh, several panels going back and forth. We have this aspect where they seemingly rush each other and pass. And in the passing, uh, Katsuichi kind of slumps to the ground, holding his side, his ribs, perhaps. And Usagi immediately stops, claims, Sensei, forgive me, Sensei. I... Ah, forgive you, I've waited long, a long time for that blow. At last, the buzzing bee has used its sting well. Well done, Usagi. You're learning well the way of the sword. He said 
is what Usagi says, and then it goes back to the present when Usagi is telling the story, and he tells Genosuke that, okay, I'm, I'm tired now, my mouth is dry, I'll continue the story, but let's do it somewhere a little bit more comfortable, like at an inn, over some food, with some sake, you know, that kind of storytelling time. And so that's where we finish off this second samurai uh, chapter. And I believe there's 10 or 12 chapters old, all told. So Usagi will be telling us about his while. Uh, next up, we have four single page panel and each one is used. It, each one is, first of all, a beautiful black and white illustration by Mikai. This is he at his at his height of artistic uh, storytelling in my mind. Now, these single page spreads may have appeared in other places or as prints. I am not sure. Others that uh, are able to retain the years and years of Usagi lore in their head uh, may be able to tell me, tell us. But on um, the first one, we have Usagi on horseback carrying the banner of his Lord Mafuni. Because this is a scene from the Battle of Adashigahare, and we're told that the close of the 16th century Japan is regarded as the age of civil wars, as feudal lords fought amongst themselves for land and power. It was during the Battle of Adashigahara that the samurai Miyamoto Usagi lost his Lord Mafuni to the armies of Lord Hikiji. Now, that's telling that in two chapters of the origin story here, we haven't been told yet, but we were exposed to Gunichi, who Usagi said was connected to Lord. Next panel, full page spread Usagi on foot, Tana and Wakazashi in hand, uh, fighting off a large group of brigands, a Tokagi down here in the corner, helping fight. That may be Spot, I, I don't recall. Uh, for a little while, Usagi has a pet Tokagi Spot. Finally, our leader told rose above the others and was proclaimed Shogun, the military ruler of Japan at this time. The Shogun's peace came upon the land and samurai warriors found themselves suddenly unemployed. Many of these ronin, that's uh, a masked samurai, he's not um, he, he's not working for any lord, turned to banditry to survive. Others found work with minor lords or the emerging merchant class. A small number, Usagi among them, traveled the Mushashugyo, warrior's pilgrimage, to hone their spiritual and martial skills. Next page. Usagi and several of his companions, uh, Genosuke, Tomoyame, and the uh, blind pig Zatoino here are fighting off uh, members of all three of the ninja clans that we have been exposed to so far, and a giant dragon. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say that's a dragon. Um, all of these will be element stories forthcoming. Usagi has made many allies in his road, including Tomoe of the Gaishu clan, Gen the bounty hunter, and Zatu Inu the blind swords pick. There have also been many enemies. Chief among them is Lord Hikiji, who, with his secret army of ninjas, plots to overthrow the new government and set himself up as shogun. Yeah, I don't believe this is supposed to be Lord Hikiji in the background. He is a giant snake, but this more a lizard-like dragon-y thing. I, I think I know who this is, but I'm not going to do anything to give anything away. And then, like I said, examples of the three major ninja clans that we will be exposed to, each very unique. And the fourth and final uh, single page black and white is my favorite. And this picture I have seen before, I, I just don't recall exactly where. Uh, it's a favorite of mine. Usagi continues to wander alone across the nation, over mountains, deep into valleys, through towns and farmlands, and along rugged coasts searching for harmony. Now the picture the picture is, is an, a very nicely layered picture. In the foreground, we have flowers, and then behind that, taller grass, then bushes and trees, then mountain, then the cloud uh, for about 
half of the panel. Uh, we see movement in that there are leaves blowing across the, the picture. We see a dragonfly and a butterfly. Usagi is standing, tipping back his kasa as he's looking towards the way that he had just come. So he is, uh, you know, reviewing the journey so far with the intent on continuing his journey ahead. Uh, but this this picture, this is just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful picture. Thank you, uh, Mr. Sakai, for all of this, but for uh, examples of things of this. Uh, it's This is one of the things that brought me and has kept me on the book. Single page story by Julie and Stan Sakai. Uh, they are the writers and artists. Probably uh, Mr. Sakai helped more with the writing. Uh, he may have done the lettering, but the art uh, was done by Julie Sakai because it's in the um, Kibi style. Is that what it's called? The short little child-like um, kind of, of art, and it was colored by Emi Fujii, who I believe is uh, Julian Stan's uh, daughter, Stan's stepdaughter. I, 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 I believe Julie Sakai is Emmy's mom, and Mr. Sakai is her father. Oh, by what other mean there may be, I don't know exactly what situation. And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry that I brought it up because I don't know how to, how to state it. So I'm, I'm certainly not trying to be disrespectful at all. Three panels on the page, all fully colored. It's a uh, circus, uh, carnival circus. And we have Genosuke, Tomoe Ame, and Usagi in their little, like I said, I believe, kibi style. Uh, as little, as, as children, very childlike, very short, rounded, okay, rounded faces, big mouth smiles, toothy smiles. And they walk up to a funhouse mirror and Usagi says, this mirror makes us look goofy. Tomoe, wouldn't it be funny if we really look like this? And then Gen, ha, look at how weird I look. And in the mirror are the the aspects of these three characters as we know them drawn by Mr. Sakai. So perhaps he did help in the art in this way by drawing these figures. Whereas Julie drew the um, other figures and, and all the other aspects in the story, perhaps. Over here on the on the side at the end of the Funhouse mirror looking out, we see another character uh, in Chibi. I'm saying Kibi. I believe it's Chibi now that I say that. I apologize again. You'll find that there's a lot of aspect that I am not correct on, so please bear with me. If I become aware or am made aware of it, I will make the correction. Um, and it, it is not done out of anything other than the fact that I'm a 51-year-old, adult-minded, terminally Caucasian male. That's that's not an excuse. That's my true situation. So please bear with me if I do make mistakes that you're aware of. Um, at the end of the funhouse mirror is uh, Jay looking around, who is another character that we will uh, be exposed to much more down the road, many, many issues from now. But stay in there. New re we you'll, you'll be introduced to all of these people and all of the things that I have said so far. I have been able to say because of my knowledge of Usagi up to this point. So it will happen. And that um, is the end of Usagi Ojimbo Color Class Issue 1, IDW, January 2020. Thanks a lot. Listeners new and old new listeners, uh, let me know what you think. Old listeners, please pardon, uh, you know, if I have made mistakes or, or things of that nature. Uh, speaking of which, I first covered these two stories in Episode 12 of the Ronin Rabbit nine years ago. It was released October 14th, 2011. So um, I may have pointed out things differently. I may have said things differently. Hopefully it was no less entertaining. Uh, a quick review of some of the terms that we've been given. Mr. Sakai gave us uh, Katana and Wakazashi, which matching set of swords that samurai often use. The set, I believe, is, is uh, called a dash or a dash. Sensei, which is teacher. Uh, of, of the two swords, the Katana is the longer blade and the Wakazashi is shorter. If you ever see him pulled out both, you'll notice that there's a length difference for those of you that aren't. aren't. Uh, the Shigyosha, which student warrior, 
Boken, which was the wooden practice. Uh, Hara. Um, at one point, Katsuichi was speaking, was imploring Usagi to consider the Hara of an individual, H-A-R-A. That is um, defined the belly. It translates to belly, but in this instance, it's meant more the innerness of someone, the, the true nature of someone, rather than just the external belly, but the belly inside. Uh, Bushido, which is a way of the warrior, the shogun, the military ruler of Japan during this this time period that we're at. The Musha Shugyo, which is the warrior's pilgrimage. Uh, the little lizards that we'll start seeing all over the place, those are Tokage. And then the Chonmage, uh, what the top knot is called, the samurai have that Usagi's dad referenced they would be working towards. And then Otosan, uh, which is, I believe, should be the Japanese for father, one of the terms for father, as you would be speaking of him to other people. Otosan, I believe, is that. And again, please, please bear with me. If I have um, mispronounced or miscategorized the non-English, feel free to correct me, and I will, you know, endeavor to incorporate that correction whenever I use the term again, make the correction in the next episode, whatever I need to do, so that those that are listening are left ultimately with the correct impression of of what I'm trying to get across. Um, Thanks a lot for sticking in there with me. I appreciate it. I will talk to you guys next episode. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives 3.0, Unported License.